Hello, just a quick bit before this week's episode to let you know that we have a Patreon you can subscribe to if you like what we're doing here and you want more of it. You probably already knew that. We don't stop going on about it. What you didn't know is that you can currently get a little free trial so you know exactly what you'd get as part of your subscription. You can head to patreon.com slash whatismusicpod or follow the link in the show notes to get your first seven days free. All you need to do is pick which tier you'd like a free trial of. The Biggest Mates tier is the one that has all the extras in it. And then for seven days, you are free to listen to any episode we've released in the last six months. You can cancel any time or just leave the subscription rolling if you like what you find. It's charged monthly. And during any month, as part of that Biggest Mates tier, you'll get ad-free episodes of this show every Monday. You'll get a brand new episode of our new Manic Street Preacher show every month. Two episodes every month of The Ultimate Playlist, our themed playlist show, where we talk about all kinds of different music, different artists, different genres, different eras, and one or two bonus episodes every month, depending on the length of the month. That's two episodes every week. There's also other tiers to trial. One that is just the Manic Show and ad-free What Is Music episodes, and another that is just ad-free What Is Music episodes. But hey, if the first seven days are free, why not try a bit of everything? Plus, all tiers include access to the exclusive subscriber-only Discord where we discuss the shows, the bands we've covered, various music topics, and loads of other stuff, including some games that the friendly community have devised themselves. So head on over to our Patreon page now to claim your free seven-day trial. Go to patreon.com slash whatismusicpod or follow the link in our show notes. See you there. Yeah, we've got to do an intro. Should we do an intro? intro. Should we do an intro? Let's do an intro. Let's do an intro. We'll do an intro. Three, two, one, and we'll do an intro. Intro. No, we'll do an intro. Traditional greetings all round, I reckon. Uh, Hello to you, Lucas. Uh, C. Struggled with that, didn't he? (laughs) Struggled with hello. Uh, Hi, Steve. Good morning. But also... On this fine day, Ken Coogan to you both. <laughs> Ken Coogan to you, Adam Scott Glasspool. Thank you and very Ken much. Ken Coogan to you, Lucas. I'm so Daniel. sorry, to Ken Coogan. Amen. I'm so sorry. It's such a it's such a delicious name to say. It really to is. Say. It's and welcome to be in, in every episode from now on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's how I'm opening every episode. Yep. <laughs> uh, it's how I've opened this one before I quickly drive back to record the rest of this episode. Oh, yeah, including, the, can I do the end at, this, at, at your house this time? Is that all right? That makes sense. Can I do like do the, the outro? Yeah, yeah I don't yeah, know why yeah. you drive back to do it. So yeah, I might quickly drive back. I think <laughs> I think I've got to quickly drive back to read an email, and then oh. I'll drive back to to wrap up the. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I oh, think you... I've got to do that. I, I think I might. Do have to you drive read one at the end of this episode? I think I think <laughs> I might have to quickly drive back to do it. Oh, uh, we'll see. Won't we? I don't remember we'll at see. the end of this episode. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember because it hasn't happened yet. Exactly. Uh, but anyway. I digress. Hello and welcome to What Is Music, a music podcast about music. We're a podcast that focuses on discographies in their entirety, doing deep dives on one artist at a time. You join us in season four, which is called Is It Rad In Your Head? A critical analysis of the history, cultural impact, a music of Radiohead. We're going through their entire career, album by album, track by track, asking questions like, does context match when you're listening to music? Does knowing the history of an artist affect your appreciation of their output? And this season, we're of course asking, is it rad in your head? 
And to be clear, we're asking, is it red in your head in regards to the band Radiohead, not is it red in your head in regards to this, the full season of our podcast, which is called Is It Red in Your Head, and which is now in your head. I'm Adam Scott Glasspool. I'm 16 stories tall. I love the artistry, the emotion, and also the context that surrounds music. With me, as always, is someone who said they do not care about art or talking about art, does not often relate personally to music, and is 10 stories tall. It is, of course, Lucas Way. Hi, I'm Steve Murphy. And in the middle of that, we have someone who can appreciate context, art and subject matter. And it's just learning how to convey that and put it all into words and is living in the basement surrounded by crusty tissues. It's Steve Murphy. And I'm Lucas Way. Uh, that's actually very confusing. But then I don't imagine anybody's first episode is part three of the In Rainbows coverage. So <laughs> well, <laughs> if this is your first episode... Ken Coogan to you. Ken Coogan uh, to you. Welcome and back to the podcast, <laughs> guys. How are you, etc. is what I've got written down in my notes. Uh, good, thanks. The crusty tissues are becoming a problem, and I've built a, uh, like a, like a fortress out of the crusty tissues in the basement. Look... We're going through the entire discography of Rainbow Enjoyers Radiohead. We're currently partway through our deep dive into their seventh album, In Rainbows. We're looking to wrap it up today, to be honest. Uh, I'd be very surprised if we weren't... Oh, what? Two two songs from the end, maybe? Yeah. We're, what do you reckon? I reckon, we're in a, I reckon we just did a good song. Yeah, that's, that's likely. That mm. is likely. Oh, of course. Well, you know. What are the scores going to be? I know, you know, a lot is hinging on uh, this score. And of course, we already know what the score is going to be. It's really difficult for me to drum up any kind of tension when I already know what's going to happen. Uh, that's fine. I mean, should we just go on with it? How confident do we want to be? About what? The scores? And here is <laughs> Jigsaw falling into place. Wow. Here is Body Snatchers. Here is. That seems unlikely. That seems really unlikely. Here is Radiohead. Do you know what? I reckon he's got his spot on. Love this album, guys. Oh, it's so good, <laughs> it's so good, it's so good. Yeah, and this is never the, touch we, me again. Okay, this, this sorry. <laughs> might be, it might be the best thing on it as well. Oh, this, maybe. this track, yeah, it might just I, be. I came into this like this re-listen because I haven't listened to In Rainbows like since we decided we we're going to do Radiohead at the very least. Like, sure, because spoilers, spoilers <laughs> for this album I've been listening to for the last fifteen years. <laughs> but I went into it being like, oh, and like, and like, reckon it's like a real highlight. Mm. And then on my re-listen, not so much. Oh, are you? Like, obviously, again, are you? the album's 10 out of 10, so they're all great. Are you thick? They're all broadly great, <laughs> but in terms of, like, I, I, in my head, Reckoner was, like, the prettiest, the nicest of the pretty songs. Yeah, oh, but it album. is, though. Yeah. I think Nude's way nicer. Oh, I think this. you're thick. I think Nude's, of the songs that are, like, slow and beautiful, like, okay. this, I didn't, yeah, I, uh, this is not as good as Nude to me. Personal preference? Personal I preference. prefer yeah, nudity yeah, yeah, yeah. to mm. Reckoning. 
yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I love the see drum. when we're in person, it's more difficult for me to hold myself back physically. Yeah, you know what I mean? well, that's why I put you opposite I mean, Adam, this table. Adam, I'm going to give this out a ten out of ten. Well, yeah, so me too, I love me too, it all. Me too. Just quickly look at Steve. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah. yeah, I can see, I can see murder in his eyes, Lucas, <laughs> and that's what the problem is. It's another Tom vocal showcase type one where it's like largely the main thing is lovely, lovely, lovely singing, it's drums. Mm. Oh, Steve's all about the drums. It's drums, but there's so much percussion. It's up, not you, just the drums, right? It's absolutely the drums. I just sold my drum kit. I'm really yeah, sad I know, about it. I know. Well, it's because you're not young anymore, and that's now like you've just like given up a part of your youth there, in in like selling the drum kit. Yeah, getting too real. Yeah, <laughs> no, you're right. Oh God, this song though, absolute ride city. It ri- uh, <laughs> rides me so hard. Ride city population me. <laughs> yeah, and there's the tambourine, and then there's the shaker as well. And then there's that real loose guitar that rotates weirdly, inspired by John Frusciante, the guitarist of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, which is like another hangover from oh, yeah. the Eraser. Doing doing this podcast has, has if it's if it's taught me one thing, it's how to pronounce Frusciante. Oh, okay, good. Well, I'm glad I could be. I've only ever seen see. it written down, and he's come up a few times over this podcast, and I've only ever seen it written down. So I now know how it's said because in my head it's Fructusane. <laughs> Frick You're right. It's a bit um, scar tissue, actually. This, yeah, the, yeah. The guitar, the guitar part yeah. is, yeah. Especially when he does the little, the little, yeah. uh, the little hammer on. Um, and and it, and again, it's another one of those things, like we said with um, Fifteen Step, where it's all upper frequencies, especially those like amazing falsetto vocals, and then the piano comes in at like a minute and a half in, and it makes it just so much richer. And then that's followed by the bass and and the harmonies. Um, I mean, this again. Some, I, I'm sure uh, Colin's been doing good work throughout this podcast and throughout the career so far. Yeah. But this album, so many good bass lines. The thing is, right, I, I, I had this written down where I was like, this album belongs to the rhythm section. Mm. Like Phil and Colin are like amazing here. And then you think, well, what about Tom's voice? Oh, yeah. yeah. But then what about... And then what about Johnny's guitar? And then what about all that, like, orchestration effect that stuff the orchestration that Ed is bringing in and <laughs> yeah. stuff? And you're, and you're just like, oh, they're what about, all... What about Radiohead? Right, yeah. exactly. All... And, 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 then, and then you think, right, but it's really nicely produced and mixed. Like, all six members of Radiohead, if you're including Nigel... Nigel Gods. They're at the absolute peak of their game on this album. Yeah, like, which is it's mad. Seven, seven albums, albums in... in 12 years or whatever it is after... Wait, 1993 to 2007. What's that? 14, 14 years, you know, of, of making music together. And, you know, you could... There's a good argument to be made that this might be their peak, you know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I've just, I've just never... I'm sure there's been bass lines I've picked up on throughout this pod. Well, National Anthem. Yeah, but just so many... Was Tom, so many on this album are just like really good, clean bass lines. Yeah. Really lovely, good, clean, smooth <laughs> bass lines. Getting the impression you like clean... Mm. Oh, clean. It's just it's a really clean album. It was famously, I quite like heavy music, which is it's clean. No, oh, that's true. And of course, your favourite thing about, like, one of your favourite things about me is, is fuzz bass. Fuzz. Non-clean bass. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, like, have a huge affinity for this song. Uh, it helped that it was very surprising on first listen, because oh, yeah. I was, like... The original one. Faust Art faded down, and I was expecting to hear, like... Yeah. I can't remember this version of Rackadat. It's the one where he goes Rackadat pa 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 in the uh, in the chorus. Um, uh, it's it's not very good. Uh, it comes back later at some point. Um, but so I I was like expecting like okay well 
when's it going to kick into the bit I know then? Mm. So I was, the whole song I was like spent like waiting and it just like, yeah, it just unfolded. It took me a few listens because I was expecting something else, but it just unfolded into like this really like beautiful thing. It's, it's probably my favorite thing on the album. Um, they were working on the old version and then Tom wrote a second part to it. And then Johnny wrote another part to it. Then they got rid of the first part. So this this is the second and third parts yeah. uh, of the song. Um, I, I don't know what to say about Reckoner. Like, I think, do you not feel like, I, I, it, it feels like an instant classic Radiohead song. Yeah. Like, it, like it's always been around. Like the vocals sound so familiar. I'm talking about it feels like it's been around longer than yeah, yeah, yeah. 15 years ago. But it's really hard to explain. I don't know. But it's it's just uh, I, th- there's so much atmosphere on it, but there's also like Radiohead are a very kind of like oh, I don't really know how to sum this up. They're an emotive band. They talk about like depression and sort of like these very emotive subjects, and they've always dealt with emotions. And Tom York's one of the most emotive singers and lyricists that they're that is working in music, but. This album and this song in particular, there's something so like even more earnest about it and something that's so like sweet about it uh, with the undercurrent of the darkness that like a lot of it is kind of like about like death and stuff. I don't um, think any of it sounds like the darkness. <laughs> mm. it it's falsetto. It's falsetto. There is falsetto. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, a, a reckoner is something used to solve something. It reckons something. When you say I reckon, you're saying... To the best of my ability, this is what I've worked out. In this context, I think it refers to the process of reckoning with death, with your life, with what you have or haven't achieved. It's about coming to terms with the joys and frivolities of life, even if they don't mean anything. Um, The lyrics are like, reckoner, you can't take it with you, which incidentally in the lyrics is spelt Y-E-R, so that it rhymes with reckoner, can't take it with year. Yeah, yeah. Dancing for your pleasure, and you are not to blame for bittersweet distractors. Um, and then the song is dedicated to all human beings. That's one of the lyrics. And uh, then when it's dedicated to all Hugh, all <laughs> Hugh. But then he does, and then you're like, uh, loads of people called Hugh were like, no, oh yeah. my god, Hugh Edwards. Yeah, yeah. This is Hugh my Edwards song. was yeah. like, holy shit. It Hugh like Dennis it. was ringing Hugh Edwards yeah. and was like, this is my song. And yeah. then he goes, Hugh. Men and, they'll go, and, they'll and they like, go, oh, and then Hugh Laurie's no, like, no, don't worry, yeah, don't yeah, worry. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But then at three minutes in, it's like the bit. Uh, everything sort of drops out. The backing vocals are saying in rainbows. It breaks and it builds. There's strings. He speaks about separating like ripples on a blank shore, which is surely one of his most beautiful lyrics in one of them and he sing, and his voice when he sings it is remarkable yeah yeah absolutely and he's talking about like being separated by death we we separate like ripples on a blank shore like a blank space that maybe doesn't exist and we're being separated and then the next line is take me with you like he wants to go he wants to be with that person in whatever it is that they're sort of doing it's it's incredibly like it's a desperate line and it's a beautiful line and the way it's delivered is uh incredible and it would be foolish of me to not play it i reckon (laughs) 
take me with you is that take me with you is ridiculous it's so <laughs> like emotive and like haunting and it's like pleading but also it's really sweet yeah um so this song uh we've talked about true love waits right on this we had and i've talked about the fact that like when when the album that that eventually ends up on came out and it's like reference like oh and true love waits is on and i was like how how are people talking about this song like it's a known quantity because mm-hmm. I didn't know at that point obviously it was a song that had been in the fucking pantheon for 20 years yeah. Reckoner was the same sort of thing I remember reading like a review or something of the album and it was like oh and an incredible version of Reckoner right. and I was like oh this is a big song like what? what's the deal with Reckoner it's new completely like, different though like, yeah. yeah but that obviously there was like I didn't know I didn't have the context of knowing like this was a known song but obviously within whatever I was reading it was like Oh, a beautiful version of Reckoner. You weren't familiar with the law. I wasn't familiar with the law of Radiohead, yeah. <laughs> the deep tomes. Um, it would, uh, similar to sort of Boards of Canada and Roy G. Biv, it would be ridiculous of me not to play this song, which I think shares a lot of similarities with Reckoner. It would be difficult to say that Tom had never heard this song and it wasn't some kind of inspiration. Lucas, you will know this song for sure. I don't know if you've heard it or not, Steve. Okay. That's uh, La Ratonelle uh, by Sebastian Tellier. Mm. It's very lovely. It's very lovely. It's also eight minutes long, which is a good length for music really like that. You, is that is it, have I like played that song in your presence or are you just making an assumption that it's the sort of song I'd listen to? Uh, I added it to a group playlist we all had and you messaged me privately to go, love that song. Love oh, that <laughs> song. Good ad. <laughs> yeah. Good ad. Yeah. And that's what he calls me. He calls me good ad. Mm. Good ad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Reckoner, uh, highlight of the album, highlight of their career, highlight of my life. Mm. Uh, they did not play this at Glastonbury 2017, which is one of the many reasons that Radiohead are dead to me. Did they play it at Reading 09? <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Just look into that. <laughs> I don't want, don't want to, to talk about talk Radio 9 either. About it. Radiohead. 
This is the closest to lounge music oh, they've yeah. ever done, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, also, um, they did play Reckoner at Reading 2009. Of course they did. Of course they fucking did, because they hate me. They hate me personally. <laughs> um, this is so chill. Yeah. It's so chill. It's the chillest. But yeah. it's also, again, a bit dark. Yeah. It's got those like brooding atmosphere kind of things going on in the background. And, gonna and, say, and, like, and again, the ocean. Yeah, all yeah. that like yeah. all that like atmospheric stuff. This time, it's not just a dark ocean at night. It's being on a boat. You can hear distant whale songs. I'm on the boat though. I'm so oh, you're on the boat. I'm on the boat. You're on the boat. I'm on all right, the boat. Turn over the next card. I'm on the boat. He's on the boat. And, no. We like to drink with Lucas because Lucas is our mate. And when we drink with Lucas, he drinks it down in eight, seven, six. Drink oh, it. Yeah. Five, God. four, three. Two. He's not drinking. Oh. I hate that. Yeah, I hate that. Because <laughs> uh, whereas, whereas nude, I was just like looking out from a beach at a dark, dark ocean at mm-hmm. night. Yeah. In this, I'm on a, I'm on a little, I'm on a little fishing boat in the middle. And of yet, the when I talk about what, like fantasizing about being at a beach, yeah, I take the piss. Well, that's because when you fantasize uh, about being at a beach, it's like a campfire and someone's handing you a cause light while war on drugs <laughs> yeah. are playing. And yeah, and it's the and it's the nineteen the difference and it's the nineteen fifties. The difference yeah. is now the sun the sun was setting in mine, but it's set and the moon's out in yours. It's just yeah, dark. Yeah. And yeah, 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 yeah. In yours, it's all about like you're meeting a girl. You're you're in not quite though. No, not quite. No, no. no there's like a frisson. Yeah, you know. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, a famous breakfast pastry. And you've driven there in like a Cadillac, obviously the top down. You've like oh, driven. he's got and you're sitting, down but he's not. Caddy. No, but, no, but he's not. He's sitting in the back, but he's, he's not sitting on the seat. He's sitting on yeah, the back yeah. of the seat. Right. Yeah. Oh, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like in a Beach Boys music video. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. House of Cards. House of Cards. Oh yeah, House of Cards. Not named after the show before no. anybody says no, that. No, I didn't even consider that. Yeah. It's used in the it's used in the TV show. Is it? It's the theme song. No, it's not. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine. The theme song to the political drama <laughs> is this <laughs> song. <laughs> and there's lots of clips from the show where they keep turning to the camera and freezing. And while looking names... smiling. Yeah, Kevin yeah. Spacey looks at the camera and smiles. And then yeah. you go, oh, I don't like that. Uh, what's fascinating for me about uh, what Lucas was saying there was that that's two songs, Nude and House of Cards, where he's gone like, it's about the ocean and, and the sea at night, did not have that thought. For arpeggi, the song that begins with "In the deepest ocean," <laughs> at the bottom doesn't have the vibe. I'm picking okay. up. On, no, but I'm not picking up on lyrics. I'm picking up on vibes, man. Yeah, man, you're just all vibes these I'm days, vibes. man. You're just all vibes. I'm all vi- it's interesting how rhythmic this song is. Well, I was going to say, actually. what do you think I love about this song? The drums. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, all it's about that upstroke, isn't it? Yeah. The rim shots. Yeah, we love a rim shot. Yeah, we love it. Um, it's a love song. But typically, it's a little bit more complicated than that. It's about the complex emotion that is love, is I think, it? rather than being a love song in the stricter sense. Is it about swinging? There, yeah, it is. It's yeah. about denial, the collapsing infrastructure of a relationship, fragile houses of cards, explicit references to swinging, uh, put your keys in the bowl and give your, uh, kiss your husband goodnight. Um, but it all starts from a place of whatever it is that all that means... I still want to be with you. I still want to be your lover. This Radiohead's sexiest album. Yes, absolutely. Mm. Um, we, no, we said, OK Computer has fit happier on it. We oh, said, <laughs> <laughs> which Lucas frequently yeah. likes to make love to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we we said like Stanley was saying like there's something really sensual about this yeah. music and something sexual about 
this album and, and it is it's warm and human and, and sensual this, this this record i think um i think this i think this is the most sort of normal song on the album mm. it feels very structured and very much like a song song. This actually, I'm going to take back what I said in the first episode. This actually probably is verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Yeah. Right? Yeah. This, this is maybe the only one. Yeah. And I think that that's why it doesn't, you know, land as well. As yeah. The this other one, songs. this one's one of the low lights for me because it's just like, like there's three, four, three so far songs that are like the lovely mellow ones. Hmm. Yeah. And this is the weakest of those three, I think. I used to find this the dullest, but as I've gotten older, this is the one that makes me most emotional. Yeah, I think. Yeah, more than Reckoner. No, maybe not more than Reckoner, but like this. This one is so warm and it's so human, and it's all those in rainbows things. It's such like a soothing balm of a song, and coming after Reckoner as well, which I think is quite emotionally intense. Uh, like the idea, once you've reckoned with death you reflect on your personal position in life, which is what House of Cards is. And the just the beauty of the bit, the backing vocals, your ears should be burning, and then him going into falsetto in the last chorus is absolute chef's kiss. So I'm obviously going to play it, obviously. Obviously. I was about to say, just a... That is not the bass line you would expect from, from mm. anybody. The fact that it goes... Doo, 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 <laughs> just so many yeah. good bass lines. So good, many good, good clean bass. bass. So many good, good clean like bass. Good clean fun. You know, yeah. Bits of every song on this. Also, interesting, interesting that when, uh, after you played the preview of the track and I said, oh, it makes me think of being on a boat in the middle of the ocean. Because in my notes, I wrote a completely different comparison. Oh, let's hear the different But then thing. just now, I got a different one. Uh, in that one, it was being in a big echoey cave. Yeah. But isn't that isn't that but it's still what wet. music is? It's still wet. It's still though. wet. We must yeah, went yeah. out still damp. It's still, still wet. It still, still tastes Fausty. like Faustian. It's still Faustian. <laughs> Faustian. <laughs> it's Faustian in its appearance. Um, what does ARP mean? It's interesting that you would. He's like, the one, you know, like you know the the guys that did the uh, Mrs. Robin, and- Mrs. Robinson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's him. Simon and Garfield. ARP Garfield. Yeah. <laughs> is that something? Yes, yeah, that's quite good. It's interesting that you would have two separate reactions. It's almost as if personal mood and context kind of change what you think about songs and stuff like that, you know? No, I'll tell you what it is. There's there's some, like, there's some, like, uh, flourishes, sort of of dark flourishes in the background that sound like waves or echoes, I swear. Yeah, it sounds like... And I think so you're literally just hearing the sounds again. Wet echoes, and so you're thinking of a big wet echo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wecko. Is that something? Jigsaw falling into place. No. <laughs> I refuse. <laughs> what are you going to do? He, he has control on, of this. Know, Keep right? it going. Did to talk about the song anymore? House of Cards? What have you got? What have you got on House of Cards, boy? I uh, thought it said tonight and not...
Okay, well, one, All I Need to House of Cards. Very beautiful, mm. very compelling. Back to another bop. Yeah, it's absolutely correct to have a change of pace oh, here. Yeah. But also, Lucas, one, strings, two, Tom in his lower register. Three, quite like dense. Yeah. Lots of lyrics. It's better on the album. <laughs> oh, yeah? You like that it's got lots of no, lyrics. No, I don't care about the lyrics. <laughs> I've even got a note here. I love, I, I weirdly have this weird soft spot for these dense lyric. Yeah. ones of Tom but I don't give a shit about the actual lyrics oh, I just okay. like the cadence of his like right. long rambly, kind rambly of... thing that he does mm. and it's all this low register which is great Yeah, yeah. and then the beat goes round and then the rest of the song's high oh, and the rest yeah. of the song's sung in falsetto and it just fucking elevates and everything gets bigger and they add loads more stuff uh, and layers and they add like electric guitars and the fucking ele- oh that's such a good song best song on the album <laughs> it's, it's, I mean it is great and do you know what weirdly like you're right it was called open pick because the chord shapes mean you can play any other open string along with it no, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah on the acoustic right yeah yeah yeah. 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 That. I'm a musician um, man uh, this nearly didn't make the album oh they'd be cunts <laughs> <laughs> This was the last I thing. Kick to, off. This was the last thing to go on. I I suspect it went on in place of Down Is the New Up. I think they were probably clinging onto that one and realised it didn't fit. Um, yeah, a bit like I I find this one a bit like Body Snatchers because it's it's frantic and it, yeah. and it builds and there's a bit where it goes ooh, and I think it's yeah. that guitar and also just Tom going ooh. Yeah, there's backing vocals, yeah, cool. there's guitar, and there's Ons Martineau. Cool, yeah, cool yeah. and cool. Yeah, all cool. Great song. It's all going Is on. Is he about just going out and shagging? It's having a big night out. It's, <laughs> fr- it's night Friday out. night, you want to <laughs> cut loose, foot loose, so you go out on the town, innit? That's what you do. And there's like a chance encounter with a girl who takes your hand just as the drinks arrive, and they play your favourite song, and your bad day disappears, and you're no longer wound up like a spring. And then the first section of the song, right, like it kind of takes place at that time of the evening before you've had too much and then the song just descends and as the song gets more and more frantic the night starts to like take a turn and walls start bending shape people start making animal noises just before you're comatose Uh, and then it just transitions into like a failure of a night a night that's too messy before you run away from me before you're lost between the notes the beat goes round and round uh, and then the beat goes. Uh, I never really got there. I just pretended that I had, and then it all kind of turns into that paranoia as the last piece of the jigsaw falls into place, and people start looking that was, at you. Um, quite a few happens ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. People start looking at you, maybe in a flirty way, but also- no. Wait, what was that bit? Jigsaw falling into place is the name of this song. Yeah, I in my head there was a song like three albums ago called Jigsaw falling into place. For fuck's Which sake. Which I don't think there is. No, there's not. No, no I'm, I'm just, just mixing hang up. On. No, 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 no. It's, it's, um, it's, hang on. It's this song. It's yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've got it here. I've got it here. Um, and then it turns into paranoia as like the last piece of the jigsaw falls into place and people start looking at you. That was a few albums ago. Maybe in a flirty way, but, uh, also you have to kind of start wishing away the nightmare is one of the lyrics that he repeats. Wish away the nightmare. Um, yeah, it's about like a night out that just descends into chaos as as the song kind of builds and builds and builds. It's, it's interesting because it's from the perspective of old Tom looking back on nights that young Tom had out in Oxford and Exeter. And it's like 
uh, a reflective song. It's kind of like that point in the album, like Reckoner, you know, everything before Reckoner is like fear of death and exploring that kind of stuff. Reckoner is reckoning with death. House of Cards and Jigsaw Falling Into Place are like thinking about your personal connections and relationships and then looking back on your past as well. And it's like the closest thing Radiohead have got to an Arctic Monkeys song. Yeah, it's just like about a night out and it's yeah. like, we're going out on town. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's true. Yeah, he doesn't talk about like a bouncer or anything, but it would be, you could you could see it be in there, you know? Like, yeah. like these do bouncers. I text you about buying me a Bacardi Breezer and a bouncer was a dick. Yeah, yeah. that's Arctic Monkeys. <laughs> it's not Arctic Monkeys anymore. No, it's no. I text you yeah. I sailed away on a moon boat. But I reckon, I reckon Arctic <laughs> Monkeys' seventh album so this will be straight back. It's like, one well, at these two bouncers and go straight back. Yeah. Right. So you've not heard the seventh album that came out three days ago? Oh, I thought it was a sixth. No. <laughs> oh, I thought it was a sixth album. No, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Would I like it? Everybody, don't worry about it. Would I like it? Uh, yes and no. Is it Last Shadow Puppets esque, you said, right? Kind of. I did like Last Shadow Puppets. But it's also, it's kind of like the halfway point between Last Shadow Puppets and Tranquility Base Hotel Well, Casino. at least I'm probably more likely to like that than Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino then. Yeah, probably. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see when we go and see him. I'll wait. Yeah, we'll wait. We'll wait just like outside the... Oh, yeah, yeah, because we... Yeah, yeah, because you forgot... Oh, we made this plan. Yeah, we yeah, yeah. You forgot to tell... You forgot the day of the week, didn't you, mate? You forgot the day of the week and we didn't worry. get tickets. What do you think of the song, Steve? I think it's fucking excellent. Mm. I don't really have a whole lot to say about it. I love the fact that we just get like... Yeah, you've got the first verse and then it, it completely changes. It goes up an octave and then we get like a chorus at the end. Like four minutes in. Yeah. It's, it's, it's cool. It's just yeah. really great. It's just like, it's frantic. It's frantic as hell. Mm. Um, just big great, fun, great big time fun. to then dip out of that before we end. Like, I think it's just the pacing on this record is just ridiculous. It's perfect. It yeah. is perfect. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sometimes when they're playing it live, Tom changes the lyrics of the beat goes round and round uh, to the weed goes round and round, oh, which is uh, illegal. Oh, party yeah. Another boy. reason that Radiohead are dead to me. Party boy. Blazing oh, no, it depends. It depends, though. If you listen to this song in, like, in the Netherlands, would it be okay? Yeah, maybe. Because mm. it's legal there. Yeah, it's legal there. That's fine. Yeah. Maybe that's maybe that's why they don't play it so much anymore. They only play it in 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 places where Netherlands or like states in the US where it's legal, like yeah. Colorado or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Okay, well now we've come to terms with death and reflected on our life. It's time to actually die.
listen to all of video. Oh, I'd love that. Just yeah. stare at each other. Yeah, I'd love that. I'd yeah. love to listen to all of videotape. Guess what I like? I never about, have. Guess what I like about this song? Oh, the drums. It's the drums, but for very different <laughs> reasons this time, you guys. The fucking drums. They seem to be all like sampled and chopped up, and you get this kind of stuttering effect, right? Mm. Yeah, it um, does sound a little bit like it. Doesn't. I don't know if it is sampled, but it does have a little. It's an. It's an old eighties drum machine. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Can you give us the exact model number? Or? Uh, I could, yeah, I probably could. I could look it up. Yeah, do you want to look did it you up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you say there's a website? Radioheadkit.com or something? Uh, kingofgear.com. Kingofgear.com. Yeah, yeah, there is. I it's also the name of uh, my dealer. <laughs> is it? <laughs> King of Gear. Yeah, he walks around with a crown. Uh, um, what, a, what a bloody lovely song. Mm, yeah. It Just is. A, it's sad. It's sad. It's, sad things can be lovely, Steve. That's true. Oh, yeah. Such as in rainbows. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's lovely. It's just so like it's the it's one of the most simple songs, like just the piano. I mean, I would be almost happy with just. I mean, we talked about this right when we saw the live version of it on that mm. thing of just you could almost just do piano and vocals and nothing else, and it'd yeah. be lovely. Yeah, but they have got a few little embellishments, embellishments, which is great and lovely. But the mainly it's just lovely piano, and and the, and the piano sounds very. This is I think probably where the binaural audio, the binaural microphones really. Yeah, are there? It really sounds like you're just stood next to Tom. Mm, yeah, and when you hear that, that main that the the so the high is going, dun, 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 dun. and then there's that, dun, 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 yeah, there's dun, like a synth bass. Dun, dun, yeah. No, but dun, the, the piano dun, on the piano, dun, the the dun, lowest dun, notes dun. on the piano. Fuck's sake, the lowest notes he's playing on the piano is going. Dun, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. It really sounds like I'm just stood next to a piano. Yeah, yeah. That's Big old the, piano, that's the, just in a room. That's the binaural uh, microphone setup. So it's it's two microphones placed inside a dummy head and the microphones are placed where the ear canals would be and it simulates a more human experience and and almost sometimes i've seen some where they actually even have like an ear shape yeah they do yeah it's part of because then it, like then all yeah. the audio like bounces off in the exact way it would if it was going into yeah. your ear yeah they ear use hole. it for most of the piano tracks on in rainbows it's it's from an experiment back in the 1930s um the first dummy head recordings uh, were made at the Philips Research Laboratory in Eindhoven uh, in the Netherlands and at Bell Telephone Laboratories in Murray Hill, New Jersey. The experiments aimed to reproduce exact copies of the sound vibrations that would exist in ears if they were listening directly. And it, like the initial results of the experiment and everything did actually confirm it fulfilled the listener's desire for like realism, it sounded like they were stood in a concert hall when it was recorded. I mean, there's great um, photos of, of the In Rainbow sessions with like Tom playing piano and this like dummy head next to him that they've put a trilby on. Really? Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've all surely gone on YouTube and what and listened to binaural audio yeah, clips. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, no. like, like there's ones where it's like you're in a barber. It's, and it's bizarre. And it's oh. like. It's oh like yeah, going around I, your head and all that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I've heard three D audio. Wait, that's it's that's just a is it the same thing. It's, it's, yeah, it's not three yeah. D. It's just stereo in it. It's just stereo. <laughs> well, yeah, but okay. yeah, yeah. But it's it, like but it, fucking, it must... I think I moaned about this in the podcast before. Yeah, like, it's yeah. fucking TikTok saying eight D audio. This <laughs> is three D. It's still not. No, it's not. It's just stereo. There's two channels left and right. But I've got. <laughs> but it can go up and down as well. Nope. It's left and right. There's not. But three... these these I've, these are specifically three D audio headphones. No, it's a. Marketing the term, PlayStation. Mate. It's a marketing term, though, isn't it? Like, okay. How do you think they're making sound go up and down? 
Have I been swindled? It's just, it's just <laughs> How much were those fucking headphones? You know, you know those cinemas where they like blow air at you and stuff, and they're called 4DX. Yeah, no, no, that's you know that's not. I know 4D. that I'm not watching Barber videos, expecting to feel hair on my face. <laughs> he thought it's he was going to get an actual haircut. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's just I got marketing, very damp mate. watching 4D porn. <laughs> got very fast. Very damp. Good. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's very good. It's just really, it's about the recording method. And the thing that you're talking about with your PlayStation and everything is they've just mastered it cleverly to do up and down and left and right and it sounds mm. directional and all that sort of stuff and that's all very clever. These microphones are just like, just built for it, right? That's just their whole mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. I remember that photo, the, the trilby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, yeah, we heard a, a, a version with a full, full-on band like build and drop that made it sound like anthemic. It's not the version that we have on the record. Obviously, initially, I was disappointed by that, but good. Like, this is the perfect version that closes uh, in Rainbows. Uh, I think, like, they ended up just launching all sorts of nonsense at it, like they initially did with everything in its right place, um, and Tom was getting very frustrated with it, and then Johnny and Nigel worked on it on their own and just stripped everything away except the piano, the voice, and the drum machine. There's a little bit of synth bass that follows the piano. There's a tiny, very subtle little bit of crunchy synth towards the end. Um, but that's it. Uh, it's also potentially syncopated, but it's hidden, and there is some What's discussion what? about this. What's this mean? What are you talking about? What? So, the piano, you would count it like. Dun, 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 dun. Go, one, two, three, four. But it's not. It's. My chest is the one. Um, Johnny got really obsessed with like pushing the one on certain bars and having it land in actually like in a different place. The thing is, once you've taken away everything, it's really easy to hear on like live versions in the 2006 tour. Once you've taken away everything else, it's not syncopated. You'd it'd be hard to argue this is syncopated. There, there's a very good 40 minute long YouTube video explained by excellent musician and excellent Radiohead fan Warren Lane. Um, where he goes through why he thinks it's it's syncopated. And then there's other people. I think Brad Osborne has written a book, and a big part of it is why, radio, why videotape is not uh, syncopated. Um, and it, it just kind of... So, so the piano is actually on the and, but because they've removed everything else, you can't necessarily hear that it's on the and, because yeah. even the drums are on the offbeat, which surely just makes everything on the onbeat. Yeah. And what it actually does... Like... <laughs> So when they played a small show around the release of, of In Rainbows, you can watch it. Tom struggles to find the one, asks for just the hi-hat to be played so that he can find it, and then starts mm. playing the song. And it leads to an interesting delineation between the way we as an audience hear the song and the way the band hears the song. And in this case, they're different. Which I think is very interesting. Yeah. And we'll also see that on the, on the next album. There's a track where I cannot hear... Uh, a certain song any other way than than how I hear it, but the band hears it completely differently. Which one is it? It's called Little by Little. Not the little by song. little. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Guys, death. Yeah, man. Hey. Not not a fan. Not a fan. <laughs> no. Generally, we're going on. Are we a podcast? Are we going on record as a podcast? Not a fan of death. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, I will preface that. Very much necessary. Imagine no one died. No, oh, yeah. yeah. It'd be unworkable. But it wouldn't, make, it wouldn't work. Hey, <laughs> this, this song is very sad, mm. but it, it ends so hopeful. So the album ends with the lyrics, no matter what happens now, you shouldn't be afraid. 
because I know today has been the most perfect day I've ever seen. Mm. Isn't that a wonderful way to finish this album? It's lovely. And it's, it's someone leaving a message on, on videotape. It opens with When I'm at the Pearly Gates. So it's someone who is like... Like leaving a... Aware of their death. Leaving an Iron Man style video. I was thinking the same thing, but I didn't want to yeah. ruin it. Yeah, it, which, it makes it difficult to not see as a uh, as a suicide song in some ways. But, yeah. but yeah, then, anyway. I, then I also then I also think it must about, be like terminally ill. Yes, I, I think about the person that we mutually lost, um, who knew she was going to die. Iron Man. Yeah, Iron Man. She, she she knew she was going to die and found, as this song puts it, ways of saying goodbye. And then Tom goes on to say, because I can't do it face to face. So I'm talking to you before. And then it, he just kind of trails off. And then, yeah, no matter what happens now, you shouldn't be afraid because I know today has been the most perfect day I've ever seen. Is like I was saying earlier, like it's a sad, emotive topic, but in a very unradiohead way, they've managed to find like the hopeful, uplifting side of it rather than the wallowing in the misery side of it you know um yeah form and function when the drums pick up there's a sound that builds and builds and fits into the rhythm and sounds like a tape coming off of its reels which Mm, is yes which is really nice worth pointing out that mephistopheles comes back into this song tom says uh Mephistopheles is just beneath and he's reaching out to grab me. So as well as being a song about death, it kind of ties back into the Faustian bargain sort of, uh, sort of aspect that we saw on, on Faust Arp. And the whole thing is just like the perfect way to, to finish the album, to be honest. So what, what do we think of the album? In Rainbows? The album In Rainbows by, by the band Radiohead. Well, hang on, let me just... From the album Let me just scroll through my notes. Hang on, let me just scroll through my notes. Okay. I like it. Six mm. out of ten. I like this one. This is this is one I like actually. Yeah, mm. yeah, 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 yeah. Wait, yeah. Just, just double check. Yeah. Just double check. Okay, no, cool. Um, it's just is it, it, it's the perfect amount of all the things that Radiohead do really well uh, that are weird and interesting and all that sort of stuff. Accessible enough that a pleb like me can love it without it being without it being hard work or anything like that. Oh. Lovely. Why can't every album be like this? <laughs> <laughs> like some of the other albums, you know, like, which one was it that I, I, I respected more than I necessarily enjoyed? Was it? Was it? Probably Kid A. Was it Kid A? Yeah. Well, no, I, did, I quite liked Kid A, but also I did find it quite work, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this has got none of that. It's not work. It's, no, it's, not. it's just g- great, lovely, great songs. Mm, also, great, lovely, great songs. But aren't just Put like, the but they're not just, but they're not just, like boring, easy, when I say boring, like easy pop songs that I like yeah. because they're easy, which is like some of the other stuff we've come on podcast. It's still got all the like meat on the bone, but the but yeah. the meat is like just really well cooked mm-hmm. in like, and it's like- it Slides off the bone. Oh, it slides off the bone. <laughs> yeah. It's so easy to eat, right? You don't even need a steak knife for it. You could suck it down. Don't even need a steak knife. Plain <laughs> knife, plain <laughs> knife, plastic fork. Yeah. You'll still be able to get through it. Yeah. Easy peasy. Mm, lovely. Lovely. Great out. Oh, yeah. In rainbows. Give me some low lights and some highs and some scores. It was scores 10 out of 10. Okay, lovely. I don't know if, surprising. It, I don't know if that's surprising to you. Whoa. But I, I, <laughs> I think I mentioned on episode one I was going to give this album a 10 out of 10. It's a 10 out of 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that makes it your first 10 outside of a Muse season. Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah, it's an amazing album. Interesting. It's better than most of the news albums. That's not such a yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, everyone listening is going, obviously, you fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, low lights are all I need. And okay, but what are they? All I need. <laughs> yeah. All, on, all I need in House of Cards. Okay, sure. The, the two kind of one note. Slow bangers. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, and then there's two slow other slow, bang. and then there's two other slow bangers that are just better slow bangers. Yeah. yeah, yeah nude yeah. And, and videotape. Uh, best highlights, Jigsaw falling into place. Sure. Because there's just everything about it. Yeah. And I haven't picked my other one yet. And I was hoping it would come to me over the course of this episode. Oh, it's got to be Weird Fishes. That, that's the one you put on your um, playlist of songs you enjoy when we were doing that back in season one. What, what was this playlist? We did like playlists that were like between 10 and 14 songs that summed up our musical personalities. And you put Weird Fishes on there. Interesting. Doesn't necessarily mean my favourite. It probably just means like it is quite indicative of the album, right? It is quite like that's true. Sums up in rainbows quite well in a similar way to like Fifteen Step does. Is it weird fishes? It, weird fish. It might be videotape. Oh. It might be. It might be one oh, of the other seven. It might be one of the other sevens. <laughs> and so I'm gonna say, ah, oh, fuck you. Okay, I hate cool. this. Fifteen Step. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. it's just fucking... Because it's him, though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 10 out of 10. So, uh, I think this is one of Radiohead's most derivative albums. Uh, we haven't really... Wash your mouth out. We ha- well, hang on. We haven't really, on this season, played clips and it sounded exactly like the other song. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, you haven't played New Year's Day yet, though. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Uh, I think the reason that that hasn't happened is because previously I think they would have been really conscious about that and second-guessing themselves. And here they sound comfortable to follow the process and arrive wherever they arrive. Um, I know there was loads of second-guessing initially, but once they found that confidence, it seems that they became more confident than they had ever been before. They aren't worried about being too emotional. There's absolutely... No cynicism on this record at all. Like, you know, the kind of irony or the cynicism that we saw on OK Computer or Kid A. This album's not self-aware. It's entirely immersed in being itself. It's kind of an unconscious album. It's a beautiful album. It's an exciting album. It's a stirring album. They sound really at peace with themselves. I mentioned a quote back in episode one. Our aim was to describe in 45 minutes as coherently and conclusively as possible what moves us. Nailed it. Like, that's exactly what this album is. It's potentially it's potentially the closest to a perfect album I've ever come across in terms of how sounds complement each other, how the themes tie together, how it's constructed. It's maybe not as socially relevant as something like OK Computer or as musically adventurous as Kid A, but it still feels like... Well, yeah, that's the thing. It still feels like a monumental piece of work. Um, for me, OK Computer and Kid A probably have the edge on it just because those albums are such specific vibes and from such a specific time and place. But In Rainbows kind of matches that energy by being equally like ungrounded in a time and place. It kind of feels timeless. Um, to, just to continue comparing it, when I'm listening to OK Computer or Kid A, the big things that hit me are just how important those albums are. Yeah. And the stature of those albums and how all of the surrounding context and meaning can sometimes paper over the cracks of any potentially weaker songs. When I listen to In Rainbows, 
the main thing I'm struck by is just how great it sounds. Like it's just it's just great. You just go, oh, this just sounds great. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's just really well put together. It's tasteful adult rock album. Put that on the poster. <laughs> and it's grown. It sounds as- great. <laughs> It's grown as I've grown as well, I think. I'm now catching up to the age they would have been when writing it. Yeah. Like 36. I'm like three three years off that. I am also starting to reflect on what the fuck I'm doing with my life, coming to terms with the idea that my life is finite, all of those great mid-30s things. And the album speaks to me more now than it ever has done. Uh, low lights. I've already covered it. All I need and, and, and Faust up. My highlights. Insane. Just, just really difficult. But this, yeah, but this is the thing is they they could be my highlights as well. Yeah, yeah. Like, I've got to pick something. Um, Reckoner, obviously. Oh, did you like that one? Mm-hmm. And probably Weird Fishes because I think that's that's actually the one that I reach for most in terms of I want to listen to that one outside mm. of the context of the album. Um, ten out of ten. It's mm. insane that they have four ten out of ten albums for me. Like in in the seven that yeah. we've covered, that's that's crazy. It's it's insane. Radiohead. Well-rated band. <laughs> yes. Yeah, 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 absolutely. All right, Steve, fuck up my life. What's that so far? 20 out of... 20 uh, out of 20 so far. So, we, yeah. I think In Rainbows is just a beautifully paced, tight and compact album, like, rammed full of so much stuff, but in such a really completely accessible and easy way like it's so easy to listen to in rainbows yeah it's an um, easy listening album it is yeah <laughs> it's like lighthouse family it's oh, exactly the same God. yeah um i was just like i was just surprised about how just i don't know just it, it was it's just well, we, such a good pace from start to finish we like, banged on about this album so much what were you even ex- what what well i remember it i do remember the songs but like it's been enough time that, like, I don't know. Yeah, but there was that. There's that pressure there because you were guys like you so. must have been expecting like the second coming of Christ or something though. Because well, like, we fucking came close to it, <laughs> didn't it? In rainbows, yeah. <laughs> anyway, listen, listen. Okay, sorry. Oh, dare. Oh, dare. Least favorites: House of Cards yeah. and Faust Art, oh, which you is guys are uh, just famously idiots. about damp water. Um, damp tasting water. Damp. Water in caves. Um, favorites. Going on what you said, Adam, about like what I just I will reach for that specific song if I just want to hear it out of context. Yeah, yeah. Body snatchers. Okay, yeah. Because it's cool. fucking like it's just yeah, yeah. fun, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and reckoner because yeah, that's the second like, coming yeah, of Christ. Reckoner. Yeah, yeah. I reckon. Oh, yeah. Good song. Yeah. 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 Uh, ten out of ten. <laughs> So yeah, we should actually applaud because that's 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 our first album with a perfect score, which is we feel comfortable. with It's that. what I would have given it. Oh no! <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> yeah, first, first. There, Guys, I'd like to amend my score for uh, uh, what albums have you both given a ten out of ten? Futurology. Yeah, oh, I'll give that a ten out of ten just so Rainbows doesn't get it. Yeah, <laughs> and OK Computer. Yeah, and the beds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so really, it's you're welcome. Guys. Now, now I'm in like a position where I'm like, do I like OK Computer or In Rainbows more? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because well, was, what you were saying it was the beds, right? It, it was dub ends, and then it became OK Computer, yeah. and now it's potentially well, In Rainbows. Well, I don't know if that's recency bias, but you, what you were saying about how like, yeah, you're so caught up in this is such an important album and this changed the landscape of blah blah blah, mm. or lovely wonderful. 
So I, I, I think that might be the only 30 we ever get. It might be, which is in, uh, incredible. Like, like, so at the moment in our overall rankings, Radiohead occupy the top three spots, which is Unsurpri- feels, feels right. Unsurprising. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> On today's episode, I'd like to talk to you about Buzzsprout, the user-friendly podcast hosting for non-techie people. I think that if this podcast has achieved anything, it's showing that literally anybody can start a podcast. Do you need any previous experience? No. Do you need top-of-the-range audio equipment? No. Do you need entertaining or insightful content? Absolutely not. But there is one thing that you will need, and that's podcast hosting, or somewhere to store your podcast and deliver them to all of those podcast places, like the one where you're listening to this now. So if you're thinking about starting a podcast... Just do it. We here at Big Mates Enterprises use Buzzsprout to host and publish our podcast because it's the best and easiest way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed on all the major podcast directories within minutes of finishing your recording. That's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, CastBox, Pocket Cast, Podbean, Podcast Addict. The list goes on and on. The other thing we've found is that not only do you get useful and easy to understand statistics about how well your podcast is doing, but also that the support team is super helpful with somebody always on hand to answer questions and help our podcast succeed. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message to the world, and you'll get a great-looking podcast website, audio players that you can drop into other websites, detailed analytics to see how people are listening, tools to promote your podcasts, and much, much more. But wait, because the more is now. (laughs) Because if you follow the link in our show notes, when you sign up, it lets Buzzsprout know that we sent you. And do you know what that gets you? $20 worth of credit when you sign up for a paid plan. And that warm feeling in your stomach, knowing that not only are you on your way to podcast greatness, but that you've helped support this show too. So if you're starting your podcast, or you're looking to move your podcast, Use Buzzsprout and follow our link in the show notes. Back to the episode. I tell you, it might not be, you know, like a great leap forward or like you said, like a groundbreaking album, like in terms of context and cultural significance and whatever. However, let's talk about how it was released because we just touched on it briefly. We, t- we touched on the mechanism. Let's see like the fallout of that. So in rainbows.com, was not chart eligible, uh, which means when In Rainbows was released on October the 10th, it didn't chart at all. Right. Okay. The idea to make it a pay-what-you-want download came from Radiohead's managers as early as sort of April 2007. The album was taking forever. So according to Phil, their managers were just sort of like twiddling their thumbs and just coming up with loads of ideas that were interesting and this is the one that that sort of stuck um colin said that they released it this way in order to not have to conform with what was popular on the radio or tv and that they also liked the idea of everybody in the world hearing it at the same time um they did also point out that it was important for them to still do a proper cd release that went into shops and so that would still be coming but releasing it like this also avoided anything being leaked. Hail to the Thief had been leaked 10 weeks ahead of time and in like an unfinished state, if you remember. Yeah. So that's what contributed to sort of like this idea. They kind of leaked it themselves a few months ahead of it actually being released into shops. Um, Some people had said they were doing it for the cash. 
because of course there's no middleman involved here. There's no record label taking uh, taking a percentage. But Colin also pointed out that if money had been their motivation, they would have turned down the offer from Universal Records uh, because this is the thing: record labels will have been throwing silly money at Radiohead. Everybody in the world would have wanted to sign Radiohead for like whatever it cost. Yeah. I think they had every record label in the world just going, well, we'll give you X amount of million. Well, we'll give you X amount of million and stuff like that. Um, but also they had an existing relationship with with EMI. Tom had even said, and I think we've, we've pointed out on the podcast before, that he liked the people that they worked with at the record company, but questioned why anybody would need one, seeing the state of the music industry in 2007. Like, CD sales were at an all-time low. The industry in general is struggling to fight against piracy. Even with this Radiohead album being, quote-unquote, free, like the free album, it's estimated that about 70% of the people listening to it pirated it on the first day. Because uh, they're just default place they'd go to get music with LimeWire. Yeah, if there's a new release right. on that day, I I go to uh, BitTorrent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, all the way. Oh, yeah, through- this is after LimeWire. It's 2007. Yes, 2000. Get at the times, Granddad. Come on, it's uh, the 90s. All the way through the recording of In Rainbows in Oxford during 2007, the studio was visited by EMI executives, including Keith Wozencroft, the guy who initially signed them, and he was confident that another contract could be negotiated, would be negotiated. Um, And then in August 2007, EMI was acquired by Terra Firma, the private equity firm. They bought it for about $6.7 billion, which made Guy Hands the new CEO. Radiohead, as we have extensively covered, hugely sceptical of big business and businessmen and (laughs) private equity and all of that stuff. So that was probably the nail in the coffin in terms of re-signing with EMI. Um, Ed said... It was really sad to leave all the people, but terra firma don't understand the music industry. They let EMI know the plan for the release on September the 30th, the day before Radiohead announced it on their website, Um, which led to a bit of a uh, further dispute. But in the immediate reaction to it, um, the immediate reaction to it from almost... Everybody who didn't work in the music industry was positive. Uh, Various publications called it brilliant, a revolution in the way major bands sell their music, the most audacious experiment in years, uh, and as providing the kind of moment of togetherness that you don't get very often. Bono, yeah, said it was a courageous and imaginative uh, in trying to figure out some new relationship with their audience. Jay-Z called it genius. Um, There were some criticisms, as there is with all new... Bold things. Trent Reznor criticised the release for it being compressed MP3s. Uh, Lily Allen said it was arrogant and that you don't uh, you don't pay what you like for eggs. Why should it be different for music? Don't really, don't really un- understand. Don't that. really understand. If I'm an egg point. farmer, yeah. If yeah. I'm an eggman, yeah, yeah. yeah, and I want to go to a market and say, "Pay what you like." Mm. It's my business. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, Kim <laughs> Gordon uh, from Sonic Youth said it seemed really community-orientated, but it wasn't catered towards their musician brothers and sisters who don't sell as many records as Radioheads. It, it makes everyone else look bad for not offering their music for whatever. Um, Colin said the criticism was worrying about all these ancillary questions and forgetting about the primal urge of people to share and enjoy music. And there's always going to be a way of finding money or livings to be made out of it. Um, And here's what Ed said. I bought 10 disc boxes. I spent 400 quid. I think Phil and I are throughout the world the people that spent the most on it. 
<laughs> why would you buy your own thing he's got a lot of family uh, who's they all giving them no that cuts into your profit margin but you're it? going to yourself anyway yeah, that's what Tom said he said I didn't buy it it would be like moving money from one pocket to the other yeah. um, <laughs> I would love to know though and I mean you might have the numbers I doubt it uh, if this ended up being like more profitable than if they'd done it the normal way because A no middleman so more direct cash to them and mm-hmm. B the people like me who bought it because gimmick cool gimmick yeah who would have previously not bothered buying it well exactly yeah yeah even if they only spent three quid it's three quid they would have otherwise not spent we'll get into it we'll get into it I mean now's probably the time isn't it we'll get into it um it was argued that Radiohead had made it less possible for smaller musicians to make a living from their music which is probably true uh, it was genuinely like an absolutely monumental thing for a band of Radiohead size to do. Uh, a good measure of that uh, is a quote from Time magazine uh, taken from an interview with an unnamed executive at one of the major European record labels who said, this feels like yet another death knell. If the best band in the world doesn't want a part of us, I'm not sure what's left for this business. Um Ultimately, Radiohead's managers said that this release strategy was a solution for Radiohead, not a solution for the music industry. And the release was a success for Radiohead. It's estimated that they made more money from the digital release of In Rainbows than they did for the digital release of all of their other albums combined. Uh, apparently, they made an instant $3 million just from pre-orders and day one orders. Um, and Is that a lot? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Spitting $3 million- yeah. Clean, well, it's not saying it five ways because it's also got to go to like publishers and you know, all that well, stuff. Well, not but, publishers, yeah, yeah, yeah. you still publish music. What you still have to publish your music. Someone still made those box sets and stuff. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about <laughs> the, the, the digital. Surely they just like bounced it from a desk. Yeah, but you have to register your song with a publishing company, otherwise, it doesn't exist. So is, your, is, is, you, is yours? Yes, oh, is yours? Yeah, oh. Uh, apparently they made eight million pounds what this makes no sense what are you talking about what you have to register the music otherwise it doesn't exist so what Steve can't just go and bang his music up on the internet and go spend spend three pounds I can't but I have to go through a third party to get it on things like Spotify and things like that yeah, that's things on Spotify, but this didn't go on things on Spotify. It was just a zip they file. They still would have published. It's still published. It's like publishing like, books. This is not going in. <laughs> it's not important. It happens to every single song that's ever been released on anything. But, th- but this didn't go on any platforms, though. Right, or stopping still, me just money going, or stopping it. me just They're going not on Reddit f- and saying, I will send you the Dropbox link for £3 to my songs. Right. I don't have to, publish, I don't have to put that through a publisher. Right? Okay, but then, then that person can do whatever they want with it. You wouldn't hold the copyright for it. You're, you're registering it as, I wrote this song. The song belongs to me. Yes. Other people can't just isn't do what just they tra- like isn't with that it. That's like trademarking, copywriting. Yeah, than and it's called stuff. music publishing. Oh. <laughs> Did you think you would... You think you'd crack the system? Get him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just didn't really think you had to... Yeah, but I mean, the, the, trade, the copyright thing is valid. There's, there's so many times where like people have been like, oh, there must be another... Manic Street Preachers album on the way because I've just seen they've registered 12 new songs with their publishing house. Like, that has to happen before you Yeah, but obviously they are it. putting on Spotify and all that sort of stuff. I'm talking about if you just yeah, want yeah. to stick up a download link, like, what's the... But the, they say the limiting factor is ownership. Ownership. Yeah, ownership. Uh, apparently, uh, they made £8 million just from the disc box orders. 
the album was delivered to 1.2 million people in the first day directly from Radiohead. Not on CD or on vinyl, just directly from the band, which must be some kind of record for first day sales in theory. But of course, it's not eligible for sales because it's just their own little rinky-dink website run by 10 servers. Um, But it also maybe set us on the path of music losing its inherent financial value. Uh, You know, we live in a time in which you can pay £10 a month, which is less than a single album would have cost and have unfettered access to almost everything that's ever been released. Yeah. Um, In Rainbows was probably a part of that. Um, A few years after release, Tom York said that they had tried to subvert the corporate music industry, but admitted that they had also perhaps played into the hands of content providers like Apple, Spotify and Google, who have steadily made all of their content, like music, newspapers, films, TV shows, completely worthless in order to make billions in shares instead. Uh, And he questioned if, is that actually what we want from our art? Is that what we want? Do we want it to be strictly a commodity? I think, I think if, in, if, if Radiohead hadn't done this within Rainbows, Spotify still would have become the way people listen to music. Yeah. Like, it's just interesting it was inevitable. That, it's just interesting that they, they, either, they either set it in motion or they saw the writing on the wall and predicted it. Like, it's, it's either a prescient or a revolutionary thing to do. Either one is kind of impressive. Thing is, though, if you take away all of the pay-what-you-want stuff, it's still a revolutionary release. The other thing that has persisted that kind of started here is the surprise release mm. by a major artist. This is the first notable example of a really big artist going, it's ready and here it is. Uh, it's now done by Beyonce and U2 and Kanye does it for all of his albums. So many albums no longer follow the old way of doing things with like six months worth of build up and numerous singles, which is why it's still like a bit discombobulating when Muse and Manix do it. You know, like didn't Muse like announce their album in like March and go, it's out in August. Yeah. And you're like, what, why, what is this for? If it's, if it's ready, just give it to us. Was it? I guess think who knows? Was it even ready? But that, that's, that kind of radio had kind of spurred that on. This is also the first example of the premium album aspect. You know, when you buy a Muse or a Manix album and you can buy the download or you can buy the CD or you can buy a big box set that's got a DVD uh, and a poster and a fucking jacket and a cassette with demos on it and stuff. Loads of bands do this. It started with that fucking thing that's down there on the floor, the disc box. Yeah. It was kind of the first time that it was like, here's the digital. Uh, download and here's a deluxe version the digital download was arguably kind of like a supermarket style lost leader where it just got people interested in the product and then went here's the premium more expensive version part of if you take away tours and all the other ways that they can make money and and merch Mm. the way a record now can make album is people pay fuck all for it to listen to on spotify like you've given muse no money for their newest album right you listen to spotify yeah but 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 out of me, they got like hundred quid. But the thing is, is it's been replaced, right? So what In Rainbows did was it, it kind of proved that people want a deluxe package version of an album or alongside like, the intangible digital download or streaming option. But then only some people do. But because it's like much more expensive, you can have a smaller market for that, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Far fewer people, but far, those people are paying hundred quid a pop. But what we have now, and the Muse thing, is that you've got five different formats of the same album 
Yeah. yeah, I mean the most recent one was shit. Yeah, and 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 that that's that's because it's now the purpose of it. They've recommodified it, so now the point of it is that counts as five album sales because it's all, every different format counts yeah. as a single album sale. So, like, yeah, there you go. Um, but then also, if you take away the pay what you want, and you take away the uh, surprise album, and you take away the premium package thing of it. Thankfully, you are still kind of left with a great album. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's considered one of their best. It was like immediately universally praised. With the enemy saying it was Radiohead reconnecting with their human size, uh, realizing you can embrace pop melodies and proper instruments while still sounding like paranoid androids. The use of proper instruments there is really some classic enemy bullshit. Uh, People called it the gentlest, prettiest radio headset yet and said it used the full musical and emotional spectra to conjure breathtaking beauty. Uh, most expansive and seductive album. No wasted moments, no weak tracks, just primo radio head. Uh, <laughs> formulates a lush, sensualized idea, uh, ideal out of vague, layered discomfort. Um, one reviewer did bemoan the lack of a grand rhetorical countercultural purpose behind the actual music. You know, there's no like big statement but another reviewer did say it was possibly their all-time high but also the statement could arguably be the way they released it which is hard to detach well, exactly. from the album yeah it will always be remembered as the album you can pay for you want oh, context. Context. context context does it matter when listening to an artist yeah. is it a appreciation for the album? that idea of great albums comes back this is featured in every list that's like rolling stones 500 greatest albums of all time that like all of them that you can imagine in rainbows is on there it's usually somewhere behind okay computer and kid a uh but also ed from the band radiohead Mm. recognized that they needed one more great album to cement their place as a great band. Uh, he said that they had the Benz, they had OK Computer, they had Kid A, and that he personally set out to make that one more great record that they needed in order to be a great band. I don't feel like that. I'm not not saying it was not. It's not great that they've made another great album. I, I still think they'd be pretty highly regarded if they they'd had, be fine with the three with the yeah, three yeah. three of the most highly regarded <laughs> albums ever. I think they'd be fine. Um. Featured in Best Albums of the Year, of the Decade, of All Time, blah, 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 blah. Nominated for the Mercury Prize, which it lost, but it did win the Grammy for Best Alternative Music Album and Best Boxed or Special Limited Edition Package. I believe it's the first win that wasn't an anniversary re-release of some kind. I was going to say, if you just said it kind of kicked that off, what was it up against? Well, yeah, exactly. Um, After the digital release in October 2007, the attention turned to the physical release. We had the disc box coming in December and the actual proper physical release also in, in December. They were going to release an actual CD, a standard CD in shops, and a standard vinyl in shops as well. In between October and December, they did a couple of webcasts from their studio in Oxford, one called Thumbs Down in November 2007, and one called Scotch Mist that was broadcast on New Year's Eve 2007, the day the album was released in most countries. They were made in collaboration with filmmaker Garth Jennings and comedian Adam Buxton and featured sketches, Poetry readings, uh, pieces to camera, live versions of In Rainbow songs, DJ sets, other bits and pieces. They were very fun uh, and a little bit higher in production quality than their previous ones because during the recording of In Rainbows, Nigel got obsessed with like old TV technology. 
and had like banks of screens and live editing desks that they would have used in like the 70s and 80s and created his own little TV studio in Radiohead's music studio alongside the one that he created for his online TV music show uh, the, from the basement. Um, the digital release and the disc box were genuinely entirely independent. For the proper physical release, Radiohead licensed the album to record labels, maintaining ownership and control of the masters, the recordings and the compositions. Uh, In Japan, it was released via BMG on the 26th of December 2007. Australia, it was Remote Control Records on the 29th of December. In the USA and Canada, it was TBD Records and Maple Music on January the 1st, 2008. Everywhere else, it was released December 31st, 2007 by XL Recordings, uh, the, the record label that Tom had worked with to release the Eraser. It's the record label that they license all of their albums to going forward. They kind of have that relationship with XL where they're not signed to XL, but there's kind of an agreement that, like, you're going to release the next Radiohead album whenever it comes. Um, 2025. Yeah, 2035 at this rate. Um, So bearing in mind all of that, when it does come out on December the 31st, where do you think it charts a physical release of something that's already been available for three months? Number one. Yeah. Yeah, number one. It's <laughs> number one. Um, it came in like a cardboard sleeve with stickers that you could put on your own reused jewel case to avoid creating more plastic as part of the release. And it was the first Radiohead album available on iTunes and Amazon MP3 and stuff like that. Um, when they when they announced that they were partnering with XL to deliver the physical release, EMI immediately announced a box set of all of Radiohead's albums. Mm -hmm. Um, It contained all six main albums, and I might be wrong, the live recordings, and they scheduled it to be released on the same week that Radiohead's disc box edition of of In Rainbows. So this is something, because of previous agreements... Radio had no real input in. Exactly. They just had the rights to go, well, we're going to do this. And, and, they did it. and Radio had obviously got money for it, yep. but they would have had no say in whether they want that to be made or not. And yeah. it was released the same day. Released the same week as, week. The, as the In Rainbows box started yeah. shipping. Yeah. <laughs> of uh, alongside that, Guy Hans, the new owner of EMI, said to the press that the reason a deal was never reached was that Radiohead had demanded an extraordinary amount of money. Um, both Tom and Radiohead's management released separate statements denying those claims, said that they hadn't asked for a large advance but had wanted their masters back, uh, which Hans said that he valued more than money and amounted to millions and millions. He also said that he felt the band could have been talked out of their self-release plan with a really big deal, um, which probably just shows how differently a multi-million pound CEO thinks about art compared to Radiohead. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Responding to this... Tom York said, it fucking pissed me off. We could have taken them to court. The idea we are after so much money was stretching the truth to breaking point. That was his PR company briefing against us. And I'll tell you what, it fucking ruined my Christmas. Um, (laughs) He also said that airing dirty laundry in public was a very strange way for the head of a record label to behave. Bryce Edge, one of Radiohead's managers, said that Radiohead had sold 25 million records for EMI with songs that they'd written and that they just wanted to, quote, have a say over how they would be exploited in the future. Um, so Radiohead, yeah, they were a little bit livid at the box set release. Um, loads of people saw it as a bit of revenge against the band, but EMI said they had to boost their revenue and that they don't have a huge amount of reasons to be nice to Radiohead. Uh, Fair enough. They then accidentally promoted the box set as including in Rainbows, which it didn't. Oh. EMI said that that was a problem with the Google ads. 
Mm. Mm. <laughs> Just after the physical release on January the 16th, Radiohead played a surprise show in London, uh, announced on the day and originally intended to be at Rough Trade East, the record shop, but due to safety concerns, it was moved to 93 feet east, a small venue down the road, uh, and they played all of In Rainbows, and then some others. Um, (laughs) When it came time to tour In Rainbows, they went on a pretty extensive world tour, which we will explore next week, but broadly, it went from May 2008 to March 2009, uh, and saw them playing like arena-sized venues, huge outdoor shows, you know, like 50,000, 60,000 people at the, at the outdoor shows. And then, of course, Reading and Leeds Festival in August 2009. I don't know if I mentioned I... I, I, I believe you were at that one. Oh, Steve, that one? you at that Steve, one Steve, well? were you... Mm. Huh? They also did two nights at Victoria Park in London. This was during my gap year, um, and I was due to be away, so I had to go and see them in Paris at the beginning of, oh, beginning no. of June 2008. I had to go to Paris. I went to Disney as well oh. with uh, with the drummer of uh, Swim that wasn't you before before you joined. Mike. Yeah, Mike. I went, I went to Mike. It was lovely. It was a lovely little weekend away in Disneyland Paris and seeing Radiohead. That's Hedges. absolutely my shit. Mm. Yeah, it was yeah, Mike Hedges. Mike Hedges. Yeah, 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 that's right. Um, while all this was going, on there were some fan theories flying around okay radiohead fans a particular breed (laughs) okay um and as we've seen from previous album releases radiohead love a puzzle don't they whether it's posters with mysterious messages or like actual games on their website or the fucking worm buffet code thing that we were talking about they like clues and breadcrumbs and connections i'm unsure how much of this was intended but let's talk about In Rainbows and OK Computer. You guys, I know it's late in the evening, we've been recording for a long time. Can you guys tease out any connections between In Rainbows and OK Computer? In has two syllables. Uh, nope, it's got in one has, syllable. Good in has two letters, so does OK. Does Computer and Rainbows have the same amount of letters? Yes. Adam nodded for those li- nodded. for those listening, for those not watching the, vid- the video version I've of got. our podcast. Uh, That's all you've got. The the album cover is lack of colour in rainbows is all the colour. That's interesting, Lucas. You got anything. You like connections, you like puzzles. Jigsaw uh, falling into place. Come on. Uh the they've got the same number of tracks. They do not. Oh, they're both made by the band radio. That is a good one. That, mm-hmm. is, that is true. That it's undeniable. Is true. It's it's difficult directly, to argue. Directly. With that one. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the number ten. Okay, they seem obsessed with the number 10 at this point. Because that first song was called 10 Step. Exactly. Mm -hmm. In 2007, when In Rainbows was released, OK Computer was 10 years old. Right. In the lead up to the In Rainbows release, they posted nine cryptic messages on their blog that all made part of their focus the letter X, which is the Roman numeral for 10. The 10th message was released on the day of release, the album having been announced 10 days before. The album was released on the 10th day of the 10th month. It's 10 tracks long. The title In Rainbows is 10 letters long. The title OK Computer is 10 letters long. Uh, And they are both split into two letters, followed by eight letters. Uh, OK Computer is their third album. In Rainbows is their seventh album. Three plus seven is ten. Yeah. Um, Computers use binary, uh, a language composed of ones and zeros. One and zero is ten. Uh, which led some fans to create the ones and zeros theory that these two albums, uh, and by the way, uh, one zero in binary stands for two, like, you know, like two albums, and it looks like a 10, uh, should be merged together. 
You start at airbag, then it's 15 step, then it's paranoid android, and you alternate back and forth with the exception of leaving Karma Police and Fit Happier together. And to, why, why is that exception just been arbitrarily the amount of track decided? To account yeah, for no, the difference in the number it, of tracks. Then that immediately makes this whole thing a little bollocks. But also because Karma Police goes into Fit Happier. They're kind of connected. Uh, you, you put a slight crossfade on as well, and some of it really works. The boops at the end of airbag are the same tempo as 15 step, uh, so it counts into 15 step. Uh, the reverb at the end of Subterranean Homesick Alien blends very well into the beginning of Nude. All I need into Karma Police is great. Electioneering and Reckoner both have tambourines. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> look, like, yeah, some of it doesn't really work. It would be difficult to sit here and Reaching. say... Radiohead intended this album to work when shuffled into OK Computer. The theory goes too far for me. It's point. a bit Dark Side of the Rainbow. Oh, Rainbow. All of that <laughs> just feels like absolute reaching. Well, a few, a few nice little coincidences. Right, except there is something there. There's a lot of connective tissue between In Rainbows and OK Computer. They both have lots of atmosphere. Uh, they're both song orientated rather than kind of texture orientated. They both amass a larger point from small sketches of disparate things. They're similar in that they're both quite human albums. But where OK Computer is someone struggling with society and humanity, in Rainbows is someone accepting their place in it. In fact, the playlist that alternates between the tracks gets it really wrong because In Rainbows is the companion piece to OK Computer. It just goes directly after it. Uh, the last song on OK Computer, The Tourist, the narrator, having been through 11 tracks of bleak, harrowing, confusing, alarming trials and tribulations in an increasingly modern world, tells himself to slow down. And in Rainbows, is that person slowing down, allowing all of this stuff to move around them and finding the humanity within themselves, no longer the the paranoid android. Um, And of course, that connective tissue is, is Tom, whose life up to this point basically has that narrative arc. Um, And uh, that's why, yeah, the album should be renamed OK Computer 2 Electric Boogaloo. Yeah. Absolutely. Nah, it's Little Bollocks. Uh, That's that's my take. Like, the ones and zeros thing, I don't think the band could give a fuck about it. I think the obsession with tens does point to something like that. They could have released it whenever they like. They released it on the 10th day of the 10th month and released and announced it 10 days before. Didn't have to release it. Didn't have to announce it 10 days before. It came out on a Wednesday. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm just thinking back to my A-level computing and I'm convinced that a one followed by a zero does not mean two. And that but, that's... but it is because I looked it up. <laughs> <laughs> what, do, you binary, think, do you think I made that up? Binary <laughs> comes in eights to make a bit. I've got no idea, mate. And every bit means something. Mm. Further research required. I've done the research. No, I'm going to do my own. Okay, fine. Got to Google it. Um, uh, the band have spoken about the theory and called it interesting. Ed says like he loves stuff like that because of course he does because yeah, he's yeah. like the hippie yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he likened it to the Wizard of Oz, Dark Side of the Moon uh, thing. And then there's the golden ratio thing, uh, which is a, a mathematical constant. Uh, so um, because it's a mathematical constant, it can obviously be distilled to binary but that's fine here's here's an explanation two quantities are in the golden ratio if their ratio is the same as the ratio of their sum to the larger of the two quantities Mm. yeah Mm -hmm. okay yeah 
Now that means absolutely nothing to me, but I know from researching it that it like appears in nature, and when it's used in design, it creates organic and natural-looking compositions. In art, it's used to make things look aesthetically pleasing, and sometimes to focus the eye to a particular place. Leonardo da Vinci talked about like the Vitruvian Man and the Golden Ratio uh, a lot. Uh, the Golden Ratio on In Rainbows uh, uh, occurs at. Oh, it would occur at 61.8% of the way through the record is at 2 minutes and 49 seconds into Reckoner, which is the point where the album title is sung uh, by the backing vocals. Um, the interesting thing is Tom has spoken about this and how he felt when he was recording and when they sequenced the album that he felt that emotionally Reckoner and specifically the section in Reckoner that we're talking about where he sings We Separate, separate Like Ripples on a Blank Shore is the centre and the focus point of the album. So he he has talked about how for him the whole album leads up to and then away from that moment, which he said was really interesting because someone then told him that mathematically that is also what the album does. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Weird, wacky stuff. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, of course, by the time the physical release was in shops, we'd already had our disc boxes with the extra eight tracks, which we'll cover in the next few weeks. And we'll also look at the year following in Rainbows. They did like some single releases, some new songs, remix competitions, what the band were up to in that period. We'll look at all of that stuff. But two things before we go. One was that music. As far as this podcast is concerned, it's the best music we've heard so far. Yep. And C, can I read an email? Yes, you can. Okay, so we've got an email from Daisy Jevons, who has emailed us before, uh, but the subject line is, I think it's because this, this is what we're talking about around the release of OK Computer. Do you remember when we, I think we might have mentioned it briefly, do you remember how we were saying that rock bands didn't sound like that? Mm, do, you remember, yeah. do you remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember that? Yep. Daisy Jevons has sent an email with the subject line, something that does sound like OK Computer by Radiohead. Um, Hi there, Daisy again, with a short email this time. Uh, Please hold back your collective sighs of relief. Uh, (sighs) Just came to say that I've been really loving the Radiohead season. I previously would have considered myself a casual Radiohead fan, but thanks to this podcast, I've developed a newfound appreciation for them, especially OK Computer, which brings me on to the reason for this email i'm not sure whether any of you have heard this yet but i clicked on it expecting a joke and was genuinely very impressed if you can't be bothered to listen to the whole thing just listen to a couple of songs i recommend their version of paranoid android and you'll see what i mean i think we found an album that sounds pretty much exactly like okay computer by radiohead hope you're doing well daisy now the link is a youtube video i have seen this i'd seen this before daisy sent it in uh and it is excellent um it, uh, I'm, I'll, I'll just play like I guess the opening sort of bits of it I think um, the the title of the YouTube video is OK Computer but everything is my voice <laughs> okay I mean, it's it's alright. It's spot on. (laughs) Should we hear a bit of uh, Paranoid Andrew? I was was going to say, can you get to fit a happier? I want to hear him attempting fit a happier. 
Oh yeah, okay, I got it. Let's do Oh, that's really good. <laughs> it sounds like something I would do to annoy someone, but it's really well done. It's really good, right? It's the whole album. Yeah, he's done the whole album. Hang on. <laughs> All right, for Lucas though. Wait, wait. Uh, a bit fitter, happier. Fitter, happier, more yeah. productive, comfortable, not drinking too much, regular exercise at the gym three days a week, getting on better with your associate employee contemporaries. At ease, eating well, no more. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what I expected, really. It sounds that's really good. Yeah, that's really good. Oh, thank you, Daisy. That's excellent. Uh, love shit like that. Um, but that brings us to the end of another episode. Thank you very much for listening. Our next episode is out next Monday. We'll be having a nice time and watching Radiohead live for Buenos Aires in 2009. So come and join us for that. Before you oh, do, no, come and let us know what you think of In Rainbows, uh, what you think about what we think of In Rainbows, of anything we've talked about in this episode. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at What Is Music Pod, TikTok at What Is Music. And if you'd like to send us something a little bit longer, like Daisy did, maybe have us read it out on the show. You can email us, whatismusicpod at gmail.com. And if you liked what you heard here and thought, I'd like more of that, but worse, please do head over to our Patreon page where you'll find all kinds of new, old, separate and related things like a monthly series where we reevaluate with our newly honed eyes the back catalogue of the first band we ever covered on this podcast, Man Street Preachers, uh, a show where we create themed playlists, some other bits and pieces, a new episode of something every week and... A picture of Lucas in his pants. <laughs> oh. If you're thinking, the you American know what? way I... of saying pants, right? oh. like, like trousers. It's just me wearing trousers. <laughs> you might be thinking, do you know what? I don't want to give these guys that much money. I want to give these guys some money to keep the podcast going, but certainly not on a regular basis. You could buy some of our merchandise over at whatismusicpod.redbubble.com, or you can send us a little something something over on coffee.com, which is ko-fi.com/slash whatismusic. That about does it. Thanks again for listening. But before you go, please and remember, we're in the same room. We can do this. Don't, Don't leave me high. Don't leave me. Goodbye. Shit. Guys, on this podcast, we very rarely stay on topic. It's full of tangents and distractions and conversational spirals. But guys, what if there was a whole podcast like that? Can you imagine? Well, you won't need to imagine anymore by checking out Nothing Pacific, a non-specific podcast. That is hard to say. Here's what the hosts have to say about their podcast. Ibrahim is starting out as a stand-up comedian, and Marty teaches concealed carry and basic handgun safety in northern New Mexico. They work together during the day as trash men while being garbage people, and Marty thought a podcast was a good idea. Again, 
This was Marty's idea. Every week they get together and discuss nothing specific and nothing worth anyone's time. They don't really know what they're doing and ask you to listen to them talk about living and working in the war-torn hellscape of Española, watching meth heads do karate in front of the bank and how they can get rich quick. They ask for audience participation like a crowdsourced project, whether it's hate mail or in need of advice on a subject they are very much unqualified to talk about or smart enough to have opinions of. And you know what? They'll read it because they're totally shameless. So enjoy two dudes expressing the hate of their jobs, science fiction, and maybe rocket-powered babies? Who knows? There's new episodes every Tuesday, barring any more mishaps of unprofessionalism or holiday laziness. Head to the link in our show notes and make sure to tune in to something stupid. Nothing Pacific, a non-specific podcast.